0: Welcome to the Give Back Economy, a podcast about social innovation and social enterprise. Now, with your host, Peter Miller. Welcome, and today we go to the east coast of Canada to talk to Anne Larkin, Catherine Lockhart of the Atlantic Accelerator for Tech Startups called Propolix. So welcome, Catherine. And uh, tell me about your academic career, which I think has spanned uh, a couple of countries.
1: Yes, thank you. Um, thanks for having me, Peter. I'm pleased to be here. Um, my academic career was, I'm gonna call it short and sweet. I was um, fortunate enough to attend UNB's Renaissance College when, at the time, it was a brand new program, so I was in the second graduating class.
0: So, all, all, hold on, UNB.
1: Yes, University of New Brunswick, <laughs> there we go, <laughs> uh, East Coast, uh, based out of Fredericton, and Fredericton, New Brunswick, and it's it was a degree in leadership, so my my actual title from the from the degree is a Bachelor of Philosophy in Interdisciplinary Leadership Studies. So, a big old mouthful, um, but it was a four-year program wrapped into three years, so it was a bit speedy, and we were able to do internships throughout. So, I, I worked at uh, within business uh, for my first internship, and then lived in the Dominican Republic for my international internship. Uh, which was very inspiring. Very the whole third world country experience. Um, that's really what that was all about. Not what other folks may imagine going to the Dominican. That was not my experience. Um, and then I was very fortunate and got accepted to Harvard Business School um, straight straight from Renaissance College at, at UMB. So I was 21. <laughs> my classmates say that I was. Uh, you know, I was tucked into their wing very quickly because I could barely drink in their country. (laughs) Um, So was, and I've been told, you know, maybe the youngest person that's gone there. So it was uh, like drinking from a fire hose, but uh, from an academic perspective, it was sort of three years within Fredericton and then two years of an MBA and then released into the work world. So I was very fortunate though.
0: Okay, so let's back up a little and talk about your work experience. Um, during your education and after your education?
1: Sure. So I always had an interest. um, I actually had an interest in medicine going into school. Uh, A lot of medical individuals in my family, so I was sort of drawn to that. But I was introduced to, um, I worked under an individual named Susan Michaud at UNB and in marketing, got a taste for business, really was drawn to it. Um, so the work experiences throughout my education were very pivotal for me. Um, the The internship in the Dominican Republic was less work related. I mean, I worked on a farm with a machete. Uh, it wasn't business, um, it wasn't a business experience. It was an open your eyes and look, see how the rest of the world often lives uh, sort of experience, which was really monumental, I think, in my development at that time in my life. When I was at Harvard, I spent the summer working in Toronto at Pepsi, Pepsi QTG, it was called. Um, interesting, not my cup of tea, large corporations are not not necessarily my cup of tea, and I learned that later. Um, I was too young to really figure out, you know, to really truly understand the, the size of organization I was drawn to, the kind of teams I was drawn to, the kind of challenges I was drawn to, but it was an excellent experience. Um, and then I ended up taking a job with uh, Knightsbridge Human Capital Solution. That was my first job right after, right after my MBA in Toronto.
0: And how did you get from Toronto to where you are now? It's uh, from your resume, it looks like you were in Newfoundland as well.
1: Yes. <laughs> several, several hop, skips, and jumps later. Um, so I spent a little bit of time in Toronto with, with Knightsbridge. And during my time at, at Harvard in my last year, I actually met my now husband on a ski trip in Austria. (laughs) So, and so, and the personal side of the story is important because it's in fact, what took me to Europe. Um, so I said to my CEO, David Shaw, at the time, I said, unfortunately for personal reasons, I'm going to be moving to Europe. And he really rolled the dice on me and said, okay, you can move to Europe, but you're not leaving Knightsbridge. So I moved to Germany and set up a home office. And I ran a a small team based out of Toronto. So I flew back and forth for about four years um, working virtually, which was, you know, that's how we work today. I've actually worked the majority of my career has been a virtual, a virtual nature. So I spent about five years with Knightsbridge. Um, Then I left and did my own startup. And it was a spectacular failure. <laughs> uh, there's no, there's there, there's no uh, avoiding how spectacular it was, and it, and it just goes to show how and how passionate I am about founders. Having been in those founder shoes, I felt like I jumped into the deep end of the swimming pool and forgot how to swim. Like it was just a real. It is a real challenge to be a founder, and that was a really uh, important experience for me. Probably the steepest learning curve of my life. Um, and very pivotal in terms of one of my now favorite skill sets, which I, you know, we work with founders a lot on, I learned how to sell because I had to, (laughs) I was terrified of selling the, the idea of selling was very scary for me, but I I had to learn how to sell as a founder. And if you can't sell your own product, if you can't convince customers that you have a solution for them, you're up the Creek without a paddle in a big way. So, so that was exciting for me after, uh, you know, a year of failure, failure, failure. Um, I joined another startup based out of Munich um, in Germany because I had moved over to Germany at that time. I hope I mentioned that part. And um, so I I was living in the north of Germany, working in the south of Germany, traveling back and forth, really interesting startup experience. It it was a, a startup, but I wasn't the founder, so I didn't bear all the risk on my shoulders. Uh, but i learned how to sell in german so that was a, another milestone for me <laughs> being able to do it in another language it wasn't it wasn't always perfect but you know i could clo- i closed 12 deals pretty promptly so it you know I, I learned how to be effective in another language which which is an important um you know that was an important part of my own development um and then after uh, we had a daughter born in germany and then uh, we were able to move to newfoundland so I don't know if that's hop number two or three or four, but we ended up in, in Newfoundland for five years for my husband's um, uh, training. He, we were there for five years. We have a son born there, so we have a Newfoundlander in the family. So we'll always have a warm spot in our hearts for Newfoundland. And um, when I was in Newfoundland, I spent a short amount of time working with Verafin, which was is an incredible company. Um, lots of they, – they really apply and execute – academic, um, studies, literally they read books and apply them. They don't read books and forget about them. So it was a really good learning experience. And then I joined blue drop learning networks, uh, where I got to really have an entrepreneurial feel within a company of about 30 people. So, uh, in the tech space, really able to look at new, do, new operations, new opportunities through um, a different division and led a uh, sales team there and, and uh, sort of plowed into some new markets, which was a really, really fun opportunity. Uh, after Blue Drop, we moved to Winnipeg for a year. <laughs> of course, why not? There's, <laughs> we hadn't yet lived in Winnipeg. So my husband had a year of training there and I joined a med tech startup and uh, that was fascinating for me. I was their first employee. So not at the founder level, but, you know, right, right in there wearing about 10 hats at the same time, learning the med tech space, health Canada, FDA regulations, you know, first in human trials, it, it's a whole different world digging into a startup with that many in a heavily regulated space. Um, your buyers are different. You're, you're, this, you know, having conversations about the need is entirely different. Um, so it was a really, really good experience. Then I happened to be in touch with my old uh, professor from UMB, Barry Song. He came across my path. He also attended Harvard Business School. So we had known one another earlier on. And then I, I had taken one of his classes at UMB. And he said, by the way, I'm going to be retiring from Propel, where he was the CEO. And uh, he said, I think you should throw your name in the hat. So I thought, huh interesting I hadn't thought about it before but I threw my name in the hat and was very fortunate enough to you know I met the board virtually I was in Winnipeg they were all based around Atlanta Canada Uh, we had some board members actually in Ontario still do and uh, was given the job and that was about a year and a half ago so we moved back to New Brunswick after Winnipeg and I am never moving again (laughs) if I can if we can help it but our, our lens, Peter, is, is we at Propel, we are really responsible for all of Atlantic Canada and, and looking to extend our offering to founders outside of Atlantic Canada as well. We're, we're exploring um, the commercialization of our, of our model. So it's a really exciting time for us, but our hearts in Atlantic Canada with, with the interest and, and passion to extend those services beyond, um, but we're certainly excited about the work we're doing today. Where did the name come from? I have no idea. (laughs) Well, let me say, let me say this, that Propel was founded by Jerry Pond and, and there were a few other individuals nearly 20 years ago. So they were responsible for selecting a strong name. I I can imagine it was about really propelling new companies forward. It was designed originally, the thought process was to (coughs) set up an accelerator to help leverage opportunities that were outside of the natural resources window, if you will. You know, we have a heavy resource-based economy here um, in Atlantic Canada. So the roots were originally in New Brunswick and quickly expanded to focus on all of Atlantic Canada, but it was to really leverage tech tech opportunities. And opportunities in the tech space now touch almost every single industry. So at the time, nearly 20 years ago, that would have been a, a very refined thought. So companies that do X, Y, and Z are in the tech space, and now it's everything from you know insurance to ag tech to health to ed tech. It, the 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 variety of companies we see um, is significantly. <laughs> <laughs> is, is really across almost every industry you can imagine. And we will serve almost 100 companies this fiscal year. I think the count is around 93, but that that's a lot of companies and founders that we've been able to support in their entrepreneurial journeys, which has been, it's just it's an absolute delight for not only myself, but, but for the entire Propel team.
0: So Catherine, is your accelerator then virtual only?
1: And we, I will tell you, Peter, we went virtual. One of my coaches, Kyle Hickey, he says this, we went virtual before it was cool to be virtual. (laughs) And it was not my doing. It was under the leadership of Barry Bisson when he was here. And the team made that brave decision in 2018 to say, we can reach more founders uh, in, in their corners of our region if we offer a virtual solution. So we've gotten really good at it. And it's not just, a bunch of webinars, even the term webinar feels dated. We have a very intense virtual community. They founders join our program. We have two stages of programming, but the core of what we do lies in the fact that we have a dedicated team of startup coaches. So as a founder, you join Propel and you're assigned a coach and that coach works with you at least weekly. The coach gets to know you as a founder. And really supports the founder's journey. It's all about the founder, and we don't really believe in a one-size-fits-all approach, which allows really the founder to get to know the the coach, to get to know the founder. Forgive me, and spend time on what the founder truly needs. Um, there is a we have a rolling cohort model, so. Uh, rolling admissions, if you will, and cohorts start. So there's a shared peer experience within founders. So founders at a similar stage of their journeys, they, they meet, they meet up, they can share struggles and support one another. Um, We have a lot of fireside chats and lunch and learns that founders attend, but the coaches work with these founders individually on what they need most because every founder's journey is incredibly different so we're able to tailor to that and the virtual nature you know half the time we don't know where our founders live because it doesn't matter (laughs) Uh, we often suggest especially in the tech world you know they can secure a few customers uh, perhaps locally but we encourage them to get outside of the region very quickly if they're truly going to grow they've got to reach beyond the atlantic canadian borders Um, so they all all they need is a wi-fi connection and uh, they're off to the races. And one, one of my favorite parts is when we launch uh, a launch a new cohort and everybody you know, goes around and introduces themselves, talks about the problem they're trying to solve. And they do tell us where they live. And sometimes when I, ha- I have to Google where they live because it's so rural, you're like, this is fantastic. <laughs> they're in the middle of nowhere in you know, Newfoundland or in Prince Edward Island in a place I've never even heard of. And they are gonna build this fantastic company and solve a global problem that customers truly need solved Uh, and they're willing to pay for, and they're gonna be able to build a business around it. So that part of being virtual is really exciting, having access to founders that don't need to spend their money traveling to a physical space because they should be talking to customers, which these days is mostly virtual anyway.
0: So Catherine, talk about partnerships and funding. How do you fund this organization?
1: Sure thing. What, what I can tell you, Peter, is that we are uh, we're currently funded by five different governments. <laughs> so uh, the federal government is very supportive of, of the ecosystem in, in Atlantic Canada that's called ACOA. And uh, each of the four provincial governments is involved as well. The contributions are relatively aligned with population size. Um, So governments truly are, you know, heavily involved in funding a great deal of incubators and accelerators, certainly around our region. What we do watch, um, Peter, is other very progressive tech ecosystems globally. So Tel Aviv has done an incredible job in their governments deciding to come in, fund accelerators, because it's such an important part piece of the puzzle, if you will, to really help stabilize the bottom of the pyramid. So really help nurture early stage founders, inspire founders to take this leap. It's a brave one. Like it's, it's, uh, it's, it's no joke to put up your hand and say that you're gonna be a founder. There's lots of challenges that come with it. So deciding as a government to support that and wanna build it into your economy so that you can have an unlimited future is pretty exciting. So we've seen very great success stories in Tel Aviv, in Melbourne, um, obviously, that's how Silicon Valley started, with a lot of government funding and support. So, you know, we're, we're very fortunate for that, we're looking at commercialization models that propel, you know, like I mentioned earlier, to extend our offering beyond Atlantic Canada, even though we will always protect our offering and, and ability to serve founders here, that's really where we're anchored, and we'll continue to do so. Um, but we do have a model that's extendable, if you, you know, that is scalable to a certain extent. So we're exploring that. Um, but we're very, very grateful for the government support. And that's allowed us to focus on creating the best founder experience we can possibly create.
0: Do the founders pay a fee?
1: They do not because they don't have any money. <laughs> the reality of... Of how brave founders are when they put up their hand and say, "I'm going to leave my job. Um, I'm going to start this company." They definitely don't typically have, you know, a lot of cash they're sitting on to to fund to pay for a startup. Let alone hire a developer and you know potentially travel to see customers if if they need to. Um, So they, they don't pay anything to join currently, especially if they're in Atlantic Canada, there's opportunities to join. If you, you can pay to attend if you're outside of Atlantic Canada and you can, you know, raise that capital however you wish with different government programs within your own province outside of Atlantic Canada. We also don't take equity and we don't offer cash. So that's a different model that other accelerators do. They'll say, join our accelerator and we'll give you $25,000 or $40,000. We don't do that. Um, We don't believe often that founders are equipped to spend that cash entirely wisely until they've validated that there's a problem in the market someone is willing to pay to solve. So we spend three to four months at the beginning of our program, focused on empowering the founders with the right skills. And what what we see is that the founders earn their way into the right conversations with investors. And money flows quickly if they can validate that there's a market that someone's willing to pay to solve, as well as identify what we call their ideal customer profile. And build out some early traction. That that's when money comes into it. So we don't we don't take equity or offer cash. Um, and and founders in Atlantic Canada don't have to pay to get in, but those outside can pay to get in.
0: So Catherine, can you give us a couple of
1: stories of examples of successes? Sure. And some of my <coughs> favorite um, stories, Peter. Let me I'll share with you a little bit about our stages and then how we see the founders evolve through them. So the the earliest stage of our program is called vision and validation. So the point of that is, like I said earlier, to validate that there's a problem in the market, someone is willing to pay to solve. And as Canadians, we're awfully friendly and we're awfully excited. So people will say, oh, great, you're starting a company. That is an amazing idea. But excitement is very different than actual progress. So until someone's willing to write a check, we, we really hold the founders feet to the fire and teach them how to make decisions based on customer data, not excitement. <laughs> so that's the first, that's the outcome of the first part of our program. And one of what I would call a huge success story, uh, you know, three or four months ago, one of our coaches said, I've just heard from a founder. Um, she has said after 31 customer discovery interviews, There is not a market for her solution. And we went, amazing. This is fantastic. So in less than four months, this founder figured out that there's not an opportunity. And not four years. Because normally, (laughs) very frequently, you will hear of stories of founders who are really, uh, they have this entrepreneurial drive and spirit. But they will spend years pushing rope up a hill spending investors' money, you know, they've made promises that they're trying to deliver on, but it's a very big struggle. So that first step in our program, that market validation is the smartest first step you can take, we believe. Um, And that's what we really encourage our founders to do. So, So I know you asked about success stories. We saw that as a huge success. That founder is a great founder. They learned how to respond to data and they recognized very quickly in a short amount of time that there's not a market for them. So we fully expect when that founder has a new idea, they'll come back in and try and validate that new idea. And we've seen that many, many times. The first part of our program is all about identifying strong founders. And of course the market validation is an important part. If they validate that, uh, Peter, that there is Uh a market up, they move on to the next stage of our program, which is called traction and growth. So traction and growth, um, is very deliberately named that way, where in the beginning they're spending about two to three months, up to 16 hours a month with their individual startup coaches, trying to identify who in the market is Mr. Or Mrs. Right now, not Mr. Or Mrs. Right, but Mr. Or Mrs. Right now, who has so much pain, they desperately need your product or solution and are willing to pay for it. Once they figure that out, that's when we see the magic happen. They go on to the remainder of our program, which is up to six months, and they're working on sales, building out a repeatable and scalable sales process. That's when we see sales cycles shorten, contract values increase, and they're earning revenue to hire talent they need to fuel their own growth. It's a perfect time to invest. We have a lot of investors approach us trying to understand deal flow, like who's coming out of Propel, because We're we're becoming known for our graduates. They have a certain uh, capability, uh, which is very, very exciting for investors. They've already validated that there's a market. They've already secured, figured out who their ideal customer profile is, and they've secured that early traction. So they're earning at least 10K in MRR. Some are earning much more. Our current incoming program, they're earning nearly $20,000 in MRR a month. Um, at the earlier part of our program. So we're seeing an evolution in the maturity of companies that we're supporting as it is, but their development while they're with us is really focused on empowering them with the right skills to grow and scale these tech companies. So we see founders coming from ag tech, ed tech, um, health tech, insurance, legal, you know, uh, cloud infrastructure, you name it and uh, raising money in many many cases during our program and then if right um, once they graduate we see a lot of investments happening within the next six months of their journey Um, so we've seen some great wins in the ag um, in the ag tech space there's a company called real data they work on land AI um, censorship for land-based fish farms for example or you know there's a female founder in our cohort called Quickfacts. it's about bro- insurance brokerages so the successes coming out of out of propel are very very exciting and we continue to support them as alumni in any way that we can uh, but we see them in the news almost every day in our region so it's getting very exciting
0: so Catherine, do you have an alumni group as well
1: we have a uh, we have alumni and that's one of the things um uh, peter we definitely want to spend some more time supporting the alumni group i wouldn't say we're awesome at it yet <laughs> uh, we have good relationships with our alumni and i will say it's really because of the coaches the coaching relationship is one that lasts beyond this program itself so founders have often told us their coach becomes like their business whisperer like the voices in their head like what do i do if i'm stuck with X, Y, or Z problem, they reflect back, well, okay, my coach would probably tell me to do, think about this and reflect on that and revisit the data. Um, So, so that's a relationship that doesn't just disappear. So, so that's extended, you know, the relationships more and more, but working to bring alumni together more frequently and support their needs as their, you know, their companies are more mature is something we, we certainly hope to do in the future.
0: So three years from today, are you <laughs> I, going to I'm, are you going to be in Canada or Europe or United States?
1: It's a very good question. I hope I'm just still in New Brunswick. <laughs> I'm I'm I, I think I've, uh, for our children's sake. I think we'll uh, hopefully stay put without moving their schools anymore. And um, but yeah, hopefully we'll be here. I'd love to see propel known and and the rest of the atlantic canadian ecosystem not just propel all the other accelerators and incubators working hard with found to support the founder journey because we really do believe it takes a village so we you know founders aren't only successful because of propel but we'd like to see our region pumping out baby unicorns and by that i mean companies that are valued between 15 and 100 million dollars you know they've got let's call it 20 to 25 full-time employees. They're very highly educated individuals um, from a tech perspective or whatever industry they're coming from. There's a lot of expertise that require education and years of experience. And we see those founders starting companies. It's not just fresh grads all the time, not at all. We have a huge variety, 50% of our founders, Peter, are new Canadians. Um, so it's a very, very good balance within, within our region. And we want to see the base of our pyramid. So at least hundred baby unicorns a year, uh, within three years regionally, which automatically will, um, unlock a path forward for unicorns. So companies valued at a billion dollars, but let's just take a smarter first step. Let's build that base. So there's lots of young talent, lots of senior talent, Uh, really recognizing the opportunity to live in this beautiful part of the world while having a fantastic career and um, access to great trails and views of various bodies of water around our region. Um, So this is definitely a place that we can confidently say is very connected, it's very global, and it is very livable. People love living here. And what we're seeing is that people are moving here with their jobs or moving here to join one of our exciting tech startups. Um, so anyone listening who would like um, a, a direct entry into some of the opportunities here, definitely reach out. We're, we're constantly looking for tech talent, particularly mid-management uh, is a bit of a shortage here that we're excited to, to welcome folks here um, and keep pumping out those, those baby unicorns.
0: Okay, Catherine, your website, please.
1: PropelICT.com.
0: Thank you. You're doing great work. I hope you stay in one place for the sake of your children. Thank you. uh, Thank you for joining us this morning.
1: Thank you ever so much for having me, Peter. I appreciate your time.